So yesterday's reports of a big rescue package for China's equity markets. Will it work either for the share market or for the broader economy? Well, it helped the Aussie dollar a bit yesterday, but not for long. And PMI day today when we compare the performance of the US and Europe. But we know that the demand for corporate loans from banks is well down in Europe and consumer confidence is sliding as well. Both signs surely that the ECB should be cutting rates sooner rather than waiting till the middle of the year or later. All that and other stuff's besides. It's Wednesday, the 24th of January, 2024. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, the US dollar climbed 0.3% on the DXY with a 0.4% fall in the euro and a 0.3% drop in the pound. The Aussie dollar dimed just 0.1%, just below 65.8 US cents. It did climb over 66.1 yesterday on the China news, but it seems to have lost some of that fizz, although it helped equity markets in China and Hong Kong. Hang Seng closed up 2.6% yesterday. US equities have been on a very tight trading range this session, although they picked up towards the close with the the S&P finishing up 0.3% and 0.4% rise in the Nasdaq, all of the magnificent seven stocks in the green, but the Dow down a quarter percent. Consumer staples doing the best, a 0.8% drop in real estate though. In Europe, a 0.3% drop in the Euro stocks 50 and the DAX and the CAC current. And after hours in the US, we learned just how well Netflix has been doing. A massive beat on subscriber numbers. Growth of 8.9 million was estimated. It actually came in up 13.1 million with 8.8 billion in sales in the last quarter against a consensus of 8.7 billion. And they're forecasting a Q1 EPS of 4.49 against 4.09 that was expected. They've been talking up the potential for live sports, including gaming advertising as well. We'll support a lot of that. And so in after hours trade, they are up around 6% on that news. In the bond markets, a three basis point rise in 10-year treasuries in the US. In Germany, they're six points up, eight in the UK. And yesterday, Aussie 10 years were down four basis points to 4.19%. But you can boost them by nine basis points since then on futures overnight. And oil is down 0.3% lower for WTI. Brent is down 0.4%, just below 80 a barrel. So to talk through what's been happening, here's NAB's Ray Atrial in Sydney. So maybe we should start with what's happening in China because we had that big bounce in the Hang Seng after this reported 2 trillion yuan rescue package from Chinese authorities. So they want to drive up share prices for China and Hong Kong. It's never been this far behind the US ever. But what is it exactly they're planning to do? And is it going to work? Just a simple question to start with, Ray. Morning, Phil. They ask the same question: is, is is who knows? You sort of you can't help but have the instinctive view that um, you know the Chinese authorities are attacking the symptom rather than the cause of the you know equity market malaise and and the exit in particular of uh, of foreign capital from uh, from China, which is one of the reasons that we've had that dramatic underperformance, as you mentioned, relative to you know the likes of the S and P five hundred. But um, you know that said, reading the report, which was sourced from uh, from Bloomberg, you know it does seem that the Chinese authorities are, you know, are concerned um, to provide some kind of a flaw under equities in order to placate the nation's retail investors. I remember most um, Chinese households, you know, they, they save either in the form of property, which we know house prices are continuing to fall. So that's why one of the reasons consumer confidence is as weak as it is, uh, but also in the form of shares on which they're also losing money. <clears throat> Otherwise, they're just keeping money in the bank. And obviously, deposit rates have been falling quite dramatically as the PDOC has been easing policy. So um, it does seem that from a, if you like, a social stability point of view, 
um, that the Chinese authorities feel that they have to do something. And um, and as you mentioned, but it's, not, yeah, it's too- not helping the broader. As you say, it's just the symptom. It's not helping the broader economy. It's not helping these businesses perform any better in terms of their bottom line. It's just helping their share price. Well, arguably though, that uh, you know they could have a positive feedback loop if they seem to have put some sort of a floor under the stock market. Then that might uh, help to you know arrest the the decline at least in in consumer confidence. So you know maybe that creates a bit of a positive feedback loop. You know if it if it works, obviously in, in 2015, which I think was the you know one occasion in recent memory where they launched a sort of a the plunge protection squad as they came to be known. You know were reeled into action. It didn't really have a durable impact. So mm. you know so let's see. But uh, but say the size as you say two trillion yen. That's 278 billion US dollars. You know is not a small sum of money. And, and the according to the report, this is effectively instructing you know offshore based you know, state owned company enterprises you know repatriating funds effectively from offshore to to invest in in the local share markets and through the uh, the Hong Kong exchange link. Um, and there's also other funds um, from local funds. I think 300 billion one being mentioned to invest in onshore shares as well. So, um, you know, and it did say that the intraday bounce in, in the Hang Seng was in the order of 3%, although not all of those gains were held into the close. And, and the Shanghai 300 only finished up about, what, 0.4%, I think, something like that. So, and it held um, the Aussie dollar, but not for long. That's right. I mean, Aussie dollar was sort of uh, flitting in, in, in and out of sort of that 66 handle. Uh, we did get up to sort of 66. 12. So it clearly was responsible for, you know, a clean punch up through 66. But where are we now? We're back down, you know, at 65.60 effectively, which is really a broader, um, you know, US dollar story. We've seen quite a significant rebound in the US dollar, um, you know, which seems to go beyond the fact that, that US Treasury yields are a little bit higher. And um, risk sentiment, as far as the US is concerned, looks pretty flat, doesn't it? With yeah. not much change at this stage in the afternoon, at least in, in major US indices. So the Bank of Japan, uh, are they going to get to where they want to go without ever actually lifting interest rates? So their CPI forecast yesterday, they reduced the rate from 2.8% to 2.4% for the uh, for where it's going to be at the, the end of the fiscal year, ending March 2025. Incredible to think, isn't it? The rest of the world has been running like crazy trying to push up rates to try and beat inflation. And are they just going to sail through? With this ultra easy policy, without having to do much, there's a possibility that um, you know the uh, we used to say before emu didn't he, the Bundesbank will never rates raise again, but they only had about six months to go at that time. But uh, you know that that is the risk mm. that uh, you know everyone seems to be focused on April. Um, and Governor Ueda did sort of nothing to dissuade the markets that that probably is the key meeting, um, you know, this year in which they will determine whether or not the wages condition for sustainable 2% inflation, you know, has been met. I think the risks are, are probably skewed to later rather than sooner. And, um, and Ueda made clear that, you know, at the point they make that determination, they will almost certainly you know, remove the negative policy rate. But what does that mean? It may just go from minus 0.1 to zero and then stay there for an inordinately long period of time. So um, the downward revision to inflation was was well flagged in, in sort of sourced media reports several weeks ago. And then the, 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 the cut there was from 2.8 to 2.4 for fiscal year 24, uh, but really just justified by the, the fact that energy prices are significantly lower at this point than they were three months ago. Um, they've actually lifted their fiscal year 2025 forecast by a tenth to 1.8%, but that is still below 2%, isn't it? So they're still saying, you know, over the next two years, we still um, are not willing to forecast 
inflation above two percent. You know, on which basis, you know, so the, the risk is that we're all, you know, jumping the gun, thinking that, um, you know, come April, uh, the BOJ is going to have its epiphany and say, okay, job done. You know, we're now. Abandoning yeah. YCC and, and getting off the negative policy rate, but um, mm. dollar yen obviously, you know, like some of the things it heard from from Ueda, talking about you know we'll have wages information you know earlier than April um, because some firms are setting their you know their wages uh, you know ahead of ahead of time, but um, but in the end dollar yen, which had gone from what one forty eight to one forty seven on some of those headlines, you know has more than fully retraced those gains because Treasury yields are higher and that you know therein lies the the, the tail. It, it's still going to be US Treasury market volatility is going to be the main arbiter of dollar yen volatility for the time being. Uh, the NAB business survey yesterday, I guess the one take out is that uh, the growth in prices and costs has fallen uh, again for December. For example, retail prices in December just 0.6% up at the uh, at the quarterly rate compared to 1.8% in November. So that's good news. Yeah, that was uh, that was probably the most sort of surprising or standout feature of the survey. Um, you know, we did have, you know, business conditions were down a couple of points, but they're at, at plus seven. They're still a little bit above their long term average. Um, and we did have a jump in business confidence, um, you know, of eight points to minus one. Um, and that was pretty a broad based effectively across sectors, mining, retail uh, in particular, although manufacturing was down a little bit. But as you say, uh, you know, labor costs growth eased to sort of 1.8% in quarterly equivalent terms and 2.3. Purchase costs down to 1.6 and 2.5. And as you say, retail prices down to 0.6 from 1.8. So that is, you know, obviously that, these numbers come ahead of, uh, of next week's CPI numbers. But um, I think that uh, they would certainly give the uh, the RBA some comfort that we are seeing, you know, a meaningful moderation in, in inflation, even though it's still uncomfortably high. So mm. again, it certainly sits on the side of the ledger that says that, um, you know, the RBA in, in all probability is done here. So the ECB isn't till tomorrow. We've got the Bank of Canada before that. We'll talk about that in just a second. But we did have the uh, Eurobank lending survey out, which showed, again, a fall in demand for loans to corporations, which in Germany are down almost 20% in Q4. So, I mean, how long can they uh, you know, accept that? In, in Europe. I mean, it's one thing, isn't it, to see household loans down because that's, you know, quashing demand and central banks would argue, well, that's part of what they're trying to do. But if you are cutting loans by that much to the corporate sector, I mean, how do you grow out of the problem? Well, it is, you know, I mean, the, the, the numbers, you know, were, were certainly numbers alarming is, is perhaps too strong a word, but uh, we've seen a further tightening. And then there's the ECB itself, itself has said, it said this sort of has added to the substantial cumulative tightening that has happened since 2022. Remember, the ECB is saying that, uh, you know, policy is working forcefully, effectively, and these numbers corroborate that. And the survey also says that, you know, conditions are likely to tighten, standards are likely to tighten further during the first quarter, albeit at a more moderate, at a more moderate pace. But as far as sort of corporate loan demand, it does seem to be coming from both sides. It's both, a, you know, a reluctance on the part of banks to extend new loans, but also, you know, an unwillingness on the part of companies who, and then we know that in, in Europe, um, you know, firms are much more dependent on banks 
than they are in the US, where the corporate bond market spigots are wide open, as we've seen with, with record issuance so far this year. Um, but it's also, you know, companies saying we don't want to borrow, and presumably with high interest rates, they're saying, well, the expected return on a capital investment project, you know, doesn't meet the hurdle relative to the cost of financing. So it does say that interest rates at these levels are clearly working in terms of, you know, suppressing demand. Yeah, but and- too far. Is it too far, though? That's the question, isn't it? I mean, do they, do they, I mean, do they need to... Is, is it an argument to actually move, start cutting rates sooner? Because you add on top of that, the euro area consumer confidence fell even further. So the reading overnight from minus 15.1 to, to minus 16.1, I mean, it was worse than that last January, of course, it was minus 20.6, but it was climbing back up again. Now it just seems to have taken a turn for the worst. You know, absolutely. And then the answer to the question is, 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 you know, is yes. I mean, the, the read through from this would be that, um, you know, the eurozone economy is, is, which we know is pretty much flat on its back, you know, as of you know the second half of, of next year, is you know there's no prospect of a, a meaningful pickup in terms of you know a, an expansion of of credit supply or credit demand for that matter. So it is an argument that really sits you know on the side of the um, of, of, of the ledger saying that the ECB should be cutting rates and cutting rates pretty quickly. Um, obviously, yeah. the you know they've set out their sort of reaction function you know in various comments that we've had in the last few weeks said that they still want to see evidence of you know a significant moderation in in wages demand now whether they'll get that um, you know, before the summer, which is where they've sort of, you know, nailed a little bit of, a, of their colours to the mask, haven't they? Both Christine Lagarde and, and ECB chief economist Lane in the last couple of weeks. But, um, you know, the risks are still that, you know, the ECB is smitten by the extent to which, you know, the, the credit side of the economy is continuing to be crimped. And that, um, you know, it does say that there is still some risk, um, you know, which is the, you know, still the, the, the NAB call is that um, they could go as early as the April meeting. And so, Certainly these numbers would, um, you know, would provide some uh, justification for that. Yeah, and let's throw some more numbers at it because we get the PMIs, don't we, t- uh, today? So we can see, you know, what the size of that gap is between the US and, and, and European economies. I mean, Germany's manufacturing PMI, 43.3 last time. I mean, I wonder how quickly it can climb out of that. That's right. So for the, uh, for the pan-Eurozone uh, composite readings, um, you know, we're expecting manufacturing to be a still very contractionary 44.7, albeit up from 44.4 yeah. services, you know, up to 49, but that is still contractionary. And, um, you know, I mean, the surprise has been that the UK equivalents, particularly on the service side, have, uh, you know, have been surprising by their strength. And it's one of the reasons, perhaps, that, that sterling has been one of the outperformers forming currencies so far this year but um, US ones as well but um, again US is uh, we're looking for manufacturing there to still show a very recessionary number 47.6 but services above 50 so I think you know one of the you know we'll look for the ISM numbers from the US next week but it will give us a snapshot on this sort of whether or not sort of US economic exceptionalism you know is continuing to the start of the year uh, which will you know should be confirmed as far as Q4 when we get those GDP numbers on Thursday. Well, we did get one bit of data from the US and we had, uh, it's just another regional survey, but the Richmond Fed Manufacturing Index, it was expected to go from minus 11 to minus 7. It actually fell further to minus 15. So we've got sluggish manufacturing activity, but I guess it doesn't matter what's happening right now. It's where the optimism is. I mean, the optimism seems to be there for the future. So, you know, this expectation that things are looking up and that was there in that survey as well. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we've had, what, three regional surveys now. We've had the Empire State, we've had um, Philly Fed, and we've had Richmond. And um, none of them are suggesting we should be looking for a, a meaningful bounce in, in you know, manufacturing PMIs either today um, or in those uh, subsequent ISM numbers, at least. But I think it's really the, you know, the service sector. Let's not forget that's pretty much 90% of the US economy. Those readings are going to be far more important, I think, than, uh, than manufacturing. All right, very quickly, Bank of Canada tonight, who are expected to leave rates on hold at uh, 5%. Uh, but, you know, just like everyone else, middle of the year, that's when the cuts are coming. Yeah, well, I mean, the the, the backdrop to that, obviously, is we had those CPI numbers last week, which were, um, you know, unexpectedly strong. We saw the average of the two trimmed mean and, and um, weighted median measures increasing from, what, 3.55% in November to 365 I think the Bank of Canada needs to see those that number probably printing with a two um, before they will contemplate easier policy, which, as you uh, suggest, means that it's probably going to be at least mid-year before uh, policy easy might come onto the agenda. And before any of that, Q4 CPI data for New Zealand, the, the November monetary policy statement from the RBNZ expected they expect this to be about 0.8%, but it actually could come in lower than that, couldn't it? Yes, it could, although uh, you know, our, our BNZ colleagues are, are rushing to, to caution not to get excited about that, because I think from the RBNZ's point of view, the split between sort of tradables inflation and non-tradables will, you know, will give them the reminder that um, you know, non-tradables inflation, which they think is going to be around 0.8 on the quarter, is still... Uh, suggesting that underlying inflation pressures are still, uh, you know, are still too high for them to be to be contemplating a pivot towards easier policy. All right, catch you next time. Thanks, Ray. Well, do thanks, Phil. Well, we've already talked about that stellar Netflix result this morning. We get IBM uh, after the close tomorrow in the US, and very fairly soon uh, the results of voting for the New Hampshire primary. Just how far ahead will Donald Trump be this time? That's it for today. I'm Phil W. For now, see you tomorrow morning. <laughs> 